So we're continuing our study of the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're getting close to the end of Pallad Maharaj's instructions um, and the whole pastime of Pallad Maharaj. Not there yet. Um, and we're on chapter 7 of the 7th Canto. And we're beginning with verse 28. <laughs> so what happens here is we're going to hear uh, some verses about the glorification of Bhakti Yoga. And then we're going to hear uh, Prahlad Maharaj speaking about the, uh, <laughs> the uh, as there's such a word as unglorification of the material world. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so um, therefore, my dear friends, O sons of the demons, <laughs> your duty is to take to Krishna consciousness what can burn the seed of fruitive activities artificially created. So this is interesting. The seed of fruit of activities. So uh, those are activities that we do not for Krishna's pleasure, but, you know, basically looking out for number one ourselves. And they're artificially created by the modes of material nature and uh, stop the flow of the intelligence in wakefulness, dreaming, and deep sleep. So um, that's not that, that doesn't mean we don't, you, we're not, you know, we become devotees and we, you know, get a lobotomy. Right, <laughs> we have no intelligence. It means the um, the intelligence that schemes for uh, <clears throat> uh, how to uh, look out for number one, basically how to uh, uh, do any pretty much activity that that keeps us in forgetfulness of Krishna. So that's what it means by intelligence. So you know, just like. Uh, well, not that there's anything wrong with like a vacation or something like that, but let's say, you know, you're scheme, you're, you're planning a vacation just to, well, let's say spring break and you're just going to party hardy as uh, the kids do sometimes. Uh, so, you know, then the intelligence kicks in. Okay. Well, I have to get on kayak.com and, and get the airfare. And then do we rent a car? And, you know, uh, do I need a fake ID to, uh, buy the beer and you know, whatever? <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the intelligence is actually considered in the mode of passion. It's, it, it schemes how to, uh, get that into I'm just thinking about that because one of my colleagues at work, she's, uh, she's going to chaperone her teenage, uh, son who just graduated from high school. <laughs> Keep an eye on him while, uh, while he's, uh, with his friends at the Outer Banks. <laughs> so, but, you know, so she's also using her intelligence. Okay. How am I going to keep him out of trouble? <laughs> right. So um, the what this what this verse is saying is that when we take to Krishna consciousness, that part of our intelligence that schemes in a uh, well diabolical way that uh, which which has uh, three stages: wakefulness, dreaming, and deep sleep. That is uh, purified. You could say. In other words, when one takes to Krishna consciousness, is ignorance is immediately dissipated so that, and we all know the various ignorances, ignorances, is that, a, is there a plural ignorance? Um, but focusing primarily, but mainly um, that I am this body, I am this mind. And therefore I have to follow the dictates of what my mind is telling me to do and what uh, my body is uh, urging me to do. And the devotee is careful about that because they're not always our best friends in what they're telling us to do. 
Okay, so we're going up to, uh, for, uh is there someone in the waiting room? Oh, there's two devotees in the waiting room. Henry, I better make you the, uh, co-host to let people in. Okay. Do that. Thank you. Um, all right, so let's, let's carry on. We're going up to 31. Although I did just, just, uh, Prabhupada uses such strong language here in the purport. He says, the root of ignorance is material consciousness, which must be killed. He usually doesn't use that word by spiritual consciousness or Krishna consciousness. The word uh, bija nirharanam refers to burning the root cause of material life to ashes. Okay, so the next verse. Of the different processes recommended. So how do you do this? How do you how do you um, kill your material consciousness? Of the different processes recommended for disengaged in- entanglement from material life, the one personally explained and accepted by the Supreme Personality of God, it should be considered all perfect. That process is the performance of duties by which love for the Supreme Lord develops. And then 30 and 31. One must accept the bona fide spiritual master and render service unto him with great devotion and faith. Whatever one has in one's possession should be offered to the spiritual master. And of course, remember, he's speaking to young children who are brahmacharis at this point. And in the association uh, of saintly persons and devotees, one should worship the Lord, hear the glories of the Lord with faith, uh, glorify the transcendental qualities and activities of the Lord, boys meditate on the Lord's lotus feet and worship the deity of the Lord strictly according to the injunctions of the Shastra and Guru. Um, so a few things here. Prabhupada has this. Sometimes I just like to pick out half of a sentence. And he says, the perfect form of religion is bhakti yoga. So that's connected to the last verse that says, um, that we read, that said that process of the performance of duties by which the Lord, uh, by which love for the Supreme Lord develops. So there's nothing more powerful in the world than love. Henry, you got to let those people in. Thank you. Um, you know, as I say, love makes the world go round. Uh, but it is the, uh, thank you for that uh, greeting, Jiva Prabhu. And therefore, the most powerful person in existence is Srimati Radharani. Because she controls God. <laughs> she controls Krishna. How? By love. So the challenge for us is we... Uh, we have to, to, to redefine what that word means and how it reaches its perfection uh, in, in love for God, love for Krishna. And not that it's, you know, you have to do it with a gun to our head, or, but Krishna consciousness is really not like that, although in the beginning, by, we through practice by the bhakti, um, love really means having that intense desire to want to serve and love the other. And so Prabhupada talks a little bit about this. By the way, this is um, this, the Sanskrit that's quoted uh, here. Uh, Guru Padashraya Tasmat Krishna Diksh Shadi Shikshanam 
these are the um, beginning, I think the first four or five um, processes of the 64 items of bhakti that are mentioned in the uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So Prabhupada says one of the, in the purport, one of the first things he says is that, that the disciple, well, he's actually quoting from Rupa Goswami, must be very inquisitive. So that is, that alone, that two words can be a very deep meditation for us. Very inquisitive. Very inquisitive. What does the Shastra say about this? What, what, what does Krishna consciousness say about, uh, you know, this or that? Even if one's like, you know, reading the front page of a, of a local or national newspaper, one might even there. So, you know, what, what is, what would be the Krishna conscious take on, on, you know, whatever, whatever the, uh, the issue is? So being very inquisitive and certainly, of course, and primarily inquisitive to know, uh, what, who is Krishna? And then he says, uh, to eager to know the complete truth. Eager to know the complete truth. So that is, you know, we've talked about this so often that that eagerness is the price to pay for very advanced Krishna consciousness. That eagerness to really, to really want to please Krishna, to really want to hear about Krishna, to really want to serve. Right now it's, you know, we're, we're divided, or at least, yeah, at least I am. Um, and so we have to fan that spark. The word guru Shushrushaya, uh, the words mean that one should personally serve the spiritual master by giving him bodily comforts, helping him in bathing, dressing, sleeping, eating, and so on. Uh, this is called Guru Shushrushanam. A disciple should serve the spiritual master as a menial servant. Whatever he has in his possession should be dedicated to the spiritual master. Pranaya are dire, diyavacha. Those are the four well, here we'll read about it in the next sentence. Everyone has his life, his wealth, his intelligence, and his words. And all of them should be offered to the Supreme Personality of God and to the via medium of the spiritual master. Everything should be offered to the spiritual master as a matter of duty, but the offering should be made to the spiritual master with heart and soul, so with love, not artificially to gain material prestige. So it's interesting here because, you know, Srila Prabhupada wrote this seventh canto, I'm not sure what year, but it was at a time when he had many disciples and most of them could not serve his vap, serve his, uh, vapu, vapu, yeah, vapu personally, you know, by, uh, you know, um, cooking for him or this or that. But so he mentions that here, but then he goes on to mention, okay, so what, how could that translate? Um, so we can either offer some of our wealth to Krishna, our intelligence to Krishna, our words to Krishna, our life to Krishna. Um, we can offer different things through the, to the spirit, through, to Krishna, through the bona fide spiritual master. Um, so that, so then he gives very practical, you know, uh, instructions on how to do that. So that's, um, so those are good words to know if you're interested in learning some slogan. Pranayar, artayar, diyabacha. So pranayar means literally the life air. Uh, artha means our wealth or our possessions. Uh, dia, our intelligence, and bacha, our words. And then he goes on to say, uh, um, and one should live among devotees. So this is also a, an important thing to 
gain the association of of devotees because when we have that association, we naturally um, behave nicely <laughs> usually, and we uh, you know their association rubs off on us. And then Prabhupada talks about uh, actually a sadhu, a saintly person, must be saintly in his behavior. Sadava sad achara. Unless one adheres to the standard behavior, one's position as a sadhu, a saintly person, is not complete. So I like that. So he didn't say he's useless, but that, you know, because we may be, we may look at this and say, well, I'm definitely not yet adhering to all the standard behaviors of a sadhu, a saintly person. But I'm trying. So we could just say we're not complete yet. Our, our mango is not ripe yet. It's still green to some extent. But I like the way Prabhupada said it's not complete. So we should be endeavoring to make advancement in Krishna consciousness. So some questions or comments on this verse? Okay. Well, then we'll carry on. Um, the next verse. Some, I, I put something in the, in the chat. It was just once. <clears throat> Anyway, Alphabet was pretty explicit in saying the way a disciple can inquire from the spiritual master by yes, by reading his books. Yes, that came to mind because you were bringing up how he was composing or he was uh, translating the seventh canto. You mentioned that it was a time when uh, many disciples were uh, joining the movement. And so what I thought you were going to say was uh, what I've heard uh, other devotees ex- uh, express in class, which was how how could we possibly feel close to the spiritual master when there's so when the movement is expanding so so rapidly? And that's what made me think of uh, yeah yes, and now many of our a number of our ISKCON Spiritual pastors have many more disciples than Prabhupada had. So, yeah, it's true. Okay, uh, anything else on this? Then let us continue. We're going up to 37. So 32. One should always remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his localized representation as the Paramatma, who is situated in the core of everyone, every living entity's heart. Thus, one should offer respects to every living entity according to the living entity's position or manifestation. So we can, uh, we can respect everyone because, you know, we, you know, it's, it's what a practice this is, right? To, I was thinking about that today when I was walking on the, uh, uh, when I was hiking, because there was quite a few devotees, uh, not devotees, quite a few people. Uh, I don't know if they're devotees or not. I didn't ask them. Uh, there's quite a few people. On the, on the trail, because I went out a little late. Um, usually I go, Henry and I try to go out earlier when it's not, and during the weekdays when it's not crowded. So I was just trying to think, okay, so as these people walk by, don't, don't like look at them as their bodies. This person's young. This person's old. This person's, you know, why, why are they dressed like, uh, that or this or that? And just think, okay, this is a spirit soul and Krishna's in their heart. And, you know, we saw deer and trying to think of the deer and there's so many, vegetations and things like that and so many you know i don't know i didn't see them but so many fish probably in the potomac river uh and the super soul is accompanying every one of those living entities as this first says every one 
quite a uh, meditation. So, and it says, I think it's in the Gita, right? That if one can think like that, one doesn't degrade oneself by their mind, right? Or in Pallad Maharaj's words, we don't think in terms of friends and enemies or like and dislike, um, but just sees everyone's connection with, with the Lord in the heart. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, we'll continue. So 33. By these activities, as mentioned above, one is able to cut down the influences of the enemies, namely lust, anger, greed, illusion, madness, and jealousy. And when thus situated, one can render service to the Lord. In this way, one surely attains a platform of loving service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, um, here we see, we hear, we are hearing about the uh, six enemies of the living entity. Lust, anger, greed, illusion, madness, and jealousy. And if you think of those six, you probably think they don't bring too much happiness. <laughs> having, having, uh, having those, uh, jealousy. My gosh, do, do people feel happy when they're, Jealous or envious, you know, someone has more than I have. Do, 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 does that just open up your heart and you just feel intense love <laughs> when, when you're jealous or when you're angry? Is that a great feeling? So these are the six enemies that are mentioned. Text 34. One who is situated in devotional service is certainly the controller of his senses. And thus he is a liberated person. So now we're, okay, so when such a liberated person, the pure devotee, hears of the transcendental qualities and activities of the Lord's incarnations for the performance of various pastimes, his hair stands on end of his body, tears fall from his eyes, and in his spiritual realization, his voice falters. Sometimes he very openly dances, and sometimes he sings loudly. And sometimes he cries. Thus he expresses his transcendental jubilation. So compare the experience of those things to the experience that we just heard about of lust, anger, greed, illusion, madness, and jealousy. So it's, it's a very stark contrast. Uh, I think it's there and that stark contrast should encourage us to make the right choice. Plus, this uh, verse reminds me a little bit of uh, my old friend, Bhuvaneshwar Prabhu, who left this world uh, a week or two ago. And because he would uh, come up to me at uh, Mangalarti and just say, okay, open, dance, sing loudly, cry, you know, for Krishna. So I remember that as I read this verse. When a devotee becomes like a person haunted by a ghost, he laughs. So, yeah, this is in the positive sense. It's like, you know, usually we hear ghostly haunted in a very negative thing, but let's, uh, you know, different time, place, and circumstance. He laughs very loudly, chants about the qualities of the Lord. Sometimes he sits to perform meditation and he offers respects to every living entity, considering him a devotee of the Lord. 
constantly breathing very heavily, he becomes careless of social etiquette, loudly chants like a madman, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, oh my Lord, oh master of the universe. So, you know, as I say, you know, don't try this at home. Right? So, uh, even Prabhupada would experience such ec- ecstasies, but he very much contained them. So we don't usually have to worry too much about containing them at our stage. But the idea is that the, the, the heart is jumping for joy when one is uh, in, really has reestablished their loving relationship with Krishna. Even it's said that when, you know, when one has experienced the higher levels of prema, it's, it's hard to even remain in this world because it's such intense emotions. Yeah. Okay. And now 36. And if you want to, you know, have any comments, please just bring them up. The devotee is then freed from all material contamination. Because so that, so what happens free from all material contamination because he constantly thinks of the Lord's pastimes because his mind and body have <clears throat> excuse me been converted to spiritual qualities because of his intense devotional service his ignorance material consciousness and all kinds of material desires are completely burnt to ashes this is the stage at which one can achieve the shelter of the Lord's lotus feet so. No material contamination, always thinking of the Lord's pastimes, intense bhakti. Yeah, it's quite a uh, explanation. And Prabhupada talks about the, that becoming anyabi, right in the beginning of the purport, anyabila sita sunyam. That when material desires have become zero, and how are they burnt to ashes? By Tivrena <clears throat> bhakti yogena by by focusing our mind on Krishna. Okay, so now we're going to read 37 and talk about that. The real, the real problem, not real, that's the next sentence. The real problem of life is repetition of birth and death, which is like a wheel rolling repeatedly up and down. Like imagine like on a bicycle, one spot goes up and then down, up and down. The wheel, however, completely stops when one is in touch with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In other words, by the transcendental bliss realized from constant engagement in devotional service, one is completely liberated from material existence. All learned men know this. (laughs) That's truly learned men. Therefore, my dear friends, O sons of the Asuras, immediately begin meditation upon and worshiping the Supersoul within everyone's heart. So again, how do you, we've, how do you rid yourself? How do we rid ourselves of material desires? It's by Krishna's mercy and it's by doing devotional service. Just trying to reject material desires, um, just is, is only, it's a, it's a part of the issue, but it's not the essence. The essence is having a higher taste and then not finding material things to be pleasurable. Alba's purport talks about impersonalism. Generally, it is understood <laughs> that merging into the, so he says generally, that's an important point, right? Generally, it is understood that by merging into the existence of Brahman, the impersonal feature of the absolute truth, one becomes completely happy. So that's what, that's a general understanding. 
Right? You get Brahman realization and you become completely happy. Okay? Then a little later he says, Yasya Prabha. The impersonal Brahman consists of the rays of Krishna's transcendental body, also known as the Brahmachoti. Therefore, whatever transcendental bliss one one feels from merging in Brahman is due to contact with Krishna. So I, I don't remember other places where Prabhupada says it like that. And I really like it. Um, I really, It really struck me. Therefore, whatever transcendental bliss one feels from merging into Brahman is due to contact with Krishna. Contact with Krishna is perfect Brahma Sukha. Sukha means happiness. When the mind is in touch with this impersonal Brahman, one becomes satisfied, but one must advance further to render service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. For one's remaining merged in the Brahman Fochas is not always assured. Prabhupada quotes the famous verse in the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, which confirms this. As it is said, Arura Krishrena Param Padam Tata Patyantyano Nadrita Yushmam Angraya. One may merge into the Praman feature of the Absolute Truth, but there's a chance that one may fall because of not being acquainted with Adhoksaja or Vasudeva, means Krishna, Vasudeva Krishna. Of course, such Brahma Sukhyam undoubtedly eliminates material happiness. Okay, so it eliminates that. But when one advances through impersonal Brahman and localized Paramatma to approach the Supreme Personality of Kadim in relationship with him as a servant, friend, parent, or conjugal lover, one's happiness becomes all-pervading. All-pervading. So let's uh, talk about this a bit. Um, Prabhupada writes uh, elsewhere that he says that every ch- there's every chance of falling down from spiritual happiness just from Brahman realization. That spiritual happiness uh, near Veda without any distinction. That is not real Brahman happiness. Brahman happiness means that there must be a distinction. The distinction means Krishna is predominator and everyone is predominated. Just as the gopis, Krishna is the Pramadator, and the gopis and all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, Nanda Maharaj, Jashoda, and the cowherd boys, servants, trees, plants, flowers, water, animals, cows, everyone is predominated. Krishna is the only predominator. That is real happiness. So real Brahman happiness is connected with Parabrahman, or Krishna. Now, the it's it's good to understand that at least some part of Brahman realization people experience. You know, the, for example, you know, we know mindfulness is a big thing right now, right? And meditation and vyapasana, if you really go to the extreme seven to nine days of not talking to anyone and just meditating, or just in general trying to cultivate the mode of goodness and Calm the mind down. Calm the mind down from all this. That at least is some taste of Brahman. And, and people, you know, meditation has become such a popular thing. Uh, and mindful, mindfulness is so popular because they're getting some taste. It's not like it's just total, just, ah, it's all nonsense, you know. 
they're getting something from from that. Um, that just by controlling the mind and slowing it down, uh, one is carried towards Brahman realization. You, people who practice yoga, they're, they're, they've been aware of this you know, for thousands of years. Uh, Patanjali, the famous person who wrote the Yoga Sutras, he wrote that one of the most famous statements in the Yoga Sutras is yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodha. The purpose of yoga practice is to stop the mind from its fluctuations based on sankalpa and vikalpa, accepting and rejecting. So if a person is, is successful in this, then the effects of the material energy are lessened. And the mind, which um, su- supports our false understanding that this world is meant for our enjoyment, can slow down and settle back into its source. The mind is born of false ego in the mode of goodness. So, the, you know, um, so things like pranayama, Prabhupada writes, um, but in the third canto, there's a verse that says, by practicing, so I, I don't know if you all know pranayama is different breathing exercises. Um, by practicing the process of pranayama, this is from the third canto, one can eradicate the contamination of his physiological condition. By concentrating the mind, one can become freed from all sinful activities. Um, and then Prabhupada in the purport, where is it? Uh, okay. Uh, here it is recommended that by practicing the breathing process of pranayama, one can be released from contamination created by the principal physiological elements. Um, and so pranayama is, uh, it's, it can, these things can be helpful to quiet the mind down. And so people are experiencing some, something. People are serious yoga practicer, yeah, practitioners, serious people who practice pranayama, <clears throat> serious practitioners of mindfulness. They get some taste. Um, and that's good to recognize. That it's, uh, but now we're going to hear that, um, or then Prabhupada says, then one, uh, this is back in the purport to 37, then one automatically feels transcendental bliss, just as one becomes happy seeing the shining of the moon. One acquires material happiness upon seeing the moon, but when one can see the Supreme Personality of God, one's happiness increases hundreds and thousands of times. So the comparison of Brahman realization to so here is there's a verse that you see that verse in the purport uh, that begins Brahmanando. And the purport is if Brahmananda is happiness of impersonal bliss, uh, the bliss of merging into this Brahman effulgence were multiplied 100 trillion times, or basically saying unlimited, it would still not equal an atomic fragment of the ocean of transcendental bliss felt in devotional service. So, there's a little discussion on the relative nature of Brahman realizations, Krishna conscious realization. And I think it's helpful to think that people who are serious practitioners of the, they're feeling some happiness and it's ultimately coming from Krishna as we read in the purport. So what questions, comments do you have? Uh, I have a question. So the Brahman effulgence, if I understand correctly, isn't it the, argue, the the 
I guess, instruction that that's kind of what is sought through uh, meditation a la Buddhism, right? There's, it's, it's impersonal or, and here it sounds like you're, that's almost like a start, but ultimately you have to go for the personal. Right. Uh, I'm not sure about Buddhism. You see, Buddhism. And I'm, and I'm sure you don't want to talk at length about other religions and whatnot. No, no, no. I have no problem. I have oh, okay. no problem. No, it's good to, uh, it's good to know. But there is a difference between Buddhism and, and, uh, what we might call Vedic impersonalism or Advaita, Advaita mm. philosophy. Um, because Buddhism, uh, well, I mean, so even, if, you know, you, you probably are familiar with Prabhupada's prayer that we say every time, you know, uh, Namaste Saraswate Deve. So, um, Namaste means, uh, respects to you. Uh, Saraswate, by the way, it's not Saraswati, it's Saraswate. Some devotees don't pronounce it correctly, but it says Saraswate Deve. Um, Who's you? The servant of Saraswati, uh, Saraswati Bhakti, his Guru Maharaj, Shri Prabhupada's Guru. Namaste, Saraswati Devi. Goravani Pracharine, you're teaching Pracharine the Vani, the instructions of Gora, Lord Chaitanya. Goravani Pracharine. Nirishesha Shunyavadi. So Prabhupada, so Prabhupada actually wrote this. Um, Nirvishesha and Shunyavadi are, dis- are distinguished there. So the Nirvishesha, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Raghunandam Prabhu or others, the Nirvishesha is the Advaitin and the Shunyavadi is the, like, uh, Buddhism, right? Shunya means zero, right? So the Buddhism is, is interesting because we, we name it as a religion, but they don't, uh, generally have an understanding of God. Now, in some parts of Buddhism, if you go to Thailand, in some of the eastern places, there there is uh, something, but generally it's considered uh, atheistic in that sense. It not Yeah, atheistic. Um, although, as you're pointing out, Dean, Buddhism, uh, mindfulness is very much connected with um, Buddhism in, in, in many people's minds, and especially in the Western world. Um, impersonalism is uh, the, uh, considering the Brahman effulgence, uh, the impersonal feature of, of, of the absolute. So acknowledging that there's an absolute, but that ultimately uh, we want to merge into that absolute. Um, so there's, anyway, I just wanted to, since you brought that up, there, there's a, a slight, slight distinction there. So um, in some Vaishnava cultures, uh, there is the idea of kind of, like you're saying, a step-by-step Brahman, the Paramatma, the Bhagavan. In, in Lord Chaitanya's teachings, uh, <clears throat> bhakti is considered independent and fully powerful. So one can, uh, one doesn't have to go through other processes to get to it. One, it, because it's the very nature of our being to love, one can start practicing, you know, from day one, just like you're talking about your daughter, you want to bring her to the temple regularly to get into that habit. So that's, that's bhakti. And she doesn't have to, you know, learn about mindfulness and, <laughs> and all that. All she's got to do is, you know, take prasadam and see the deities and appreciate them. And, uh, 
say nice things to the devotees, and that's all devotional service, even at her age. To some extent, if I understand it correctly, that's actually one of the advantages of Kali Yuga, right? Is that already? We do under something else. Sort of um, counterintuitively, there's I don't know a, a shorter path to that, or maybe maybe I'm not getting it correct. But you got it exactly it's right. Almost, it's it's almost like because it's understood that there's so many distractions here, uh, and God is almost somewhat, uh, well, yeah, counterintuitively, though, it's actually a, a, a potentially shorter path if you take it. You got it exactly right. That um, um, that because it's so simple, right, just to chant God's names. I mean, it's, it doesn't cost anything. You can be the poorest of the poor or richest of the rich. Uh, you know, it's open to everyone. And, uh, you know, even in the Bible, in the, the first, in John, the first line, you know, in, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, right? You know, it's, it's, it's there in, in so many faiths. So yes, you're right. And even it says sometimes that demigods sometimes are lining up to take birth in Kali Yuga, despite all of its faults, because of the point that you just made that there's this simple benediction that by chanting, one can attain perfection. So yes, exactly, exactly. And, um, uh, I'm so, I'm sorry. One last question. So uh, this kind of bliss that it, that is spoken of, which I'd be lying if I said I've ever, you know, had that kind of like. Do you have lots of stories um, from either yourself or just dealings with a lot? Of, I'm sure tons of people. Um, involved in bhakti through the temples and whatnot, where they've achieved some kind of, whether it's through, I don't know, devotion, you know, uh, bhakti or, um, meditation or, uh, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. where they feel like they've had some sort of kind of truly blissful, uh, you know, feeling sure. or sense. Sure. Well, yeah, yes. And it's, um, um, everyone is different. But like, uh, you know, I like to say, I don't believe anyone on this call would be here on a Sunday morning uh, if they hadn't uh, experienced some level of happiness. Now, in the um, Nectar of Devotion, it, it's so, happiness is such an um, int- integral part of bhakti that it talks about happiness on three different levels. Mm-hmm. Um I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going blank right now in the Sanskrit, if anyone could help me. Um, one is that it uh, it's better than material happiness is the, on the sadhana level. On the uh, bhava level, it de- derides uh, impersonal realization. You just feel like, oh, who would want that? And on the prema level of full love, it's so intense that nothing else can enter your consciousness. It's just like if you could imagine, um, you know, some really intense metal, I guess like, uh, you know, a really strong steel. There's no water that can go into the steel, right? So it's just like no material consciousness can go into. So, um, so the, and then Krishna uses the word in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter two, verse 59, called Param Drishva, a higher taste. So that is 
kind of compared to where we're at, most of us, that we're trying to get a higher taste than the material taste. We may not be, you know, totally on the level of always feeling bliss at every second, but finding that the Krishna consciousness is giving us a happiness that's higher than material happiness. So that's a really good starting place. And I think every one of us, including yourself, Dean, have to experience that at different times in our lives. I mean, even if I just look at just what I did, that I was, you know, going to a good university. Uh, it was very much a part of my, my upbringing to get a good education and then become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. And I just gave it all up and became a monk. <laughs> Even though I knew it was going to really upset my mother. And it was, a, and, I, and I, and I just, um, I just did it because it was so much more happiness than, you know, mm -hmm. um, my regular life. Even though, you know, college years are supposed to be such happy times and all that in some ways, right? You're away from your parents and you can do all kinds of cool things or not so cool things. Um, so, so I think we just look practically, you know, uh, and I, everyone on this call, I think, has, you know, done things like that to different extents. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you married a devotee, you know, you, that has yeah. its own, that has all kinds of implications, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I have, and yeah, certainly yeah. I've experienced some things probably yeah. within the scope of the call <laughs> that, you know, draw me to it. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and all of us did it. We could, we could all share our stories. Um, and then, um, I've sometimes when I'm doing seminars, I'll ask devotees, um, what was the happiest you've ever been in your life? And, you know, can you tell the story or, or at least tell a time when you were really, really super happy. And for me, it, it was very interesting because, uh, it was at the end of a marathon of distributing Srila Prabhupada's books. And, um, we had been traveling around Michigan at the time. That's where, uh, I was serving. And we were, you know, on a, from a material platform, we were performing a lot of austerities. It was winter. It was so cold in Michigan. Oh, my God. You know, and going out and approaching people, and sometimes they're happy with you. Sometimes they're not very happy with you. And then the uh, Christmas Eve, we just wanted to do one last push. And I think we, you know, just hung out at a 7-Eleven until like 3 in the morning. Distributing books, and then we came back to the temple just in time for Mangala Arti at four thirty. And I just remember uh, paying obeisances to Srila Prabhupada and to the deities, and feeling so much uh, reciprocation from them for performing those uh, austerities for their pleasure. So for me, that was one of the uh, highlights. Okay, now other comments, questions, or someone want to tell their story. And then you have someone like Henry who's like always blissed out. <laughs> I guess no problem. Yes, uh, Shakshi. I do have a comment and a question okay. combined. All right. Um, so uh, I'm just talking about myself. As you mentioned, like, you know, there is some sort of happiness, you know, attending classes, coming to the temple, reading Prashad, and doing literatures, scriptures, and lectures, and all that stuff. And uh, I particularly feel uh, I'm, I know, that is true, and I'm not. I didn't express that properly. 
and uh, I always wonder that when you say Brahma realization or Brahmatma realization, the blissful things, um, how I should know that, like, um, because even this happiness, I couldn't express it properly. Uh, how I know that I am, I can able to see that, like, yeah, I do have this type of information or experiences because I'm not even expressing this this happiness to properly. So. Well, sometimes it's yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to put into words, and therefore, Prabhupada would sometimes say. Um, how do you know somebody is healthy, that their fever is diminishing? So sometimes he would say that's one gauge is that our, our material fever is, is diminishing. Um, I don't know how, I, sometimes I like the word uh, tushti. Tushti Sanskrit means um, satisfaction. That one feels, it's a sense of satisfaction. Um, and it's also, um, let's say, combining Christian consciousness and the mode of goodness, things become clearer. You know, you, you, you can see things for what they are. Um, and you can maybe even see someone, you know, an, an endeavor for material happiness as like, oh, my God, why would I want to do that? You know, you can, um, th- there's some clarity of thought and clarity of what's illusion and what's not illusion. I think that's another uh, experience that many of us have at some point in our uh, cultivation of devotional service. And I think also we probably, uh, many of us have had this experience when we are in good consciousness and when we're not in such good consciousness, we're the same person, but we're one time we're remembering Krishna and we're feeling his, his, uh, uh, his contact in our life. And then other times it's like, Krishna, who's that? And, and the difference of, uh, in our consciousness is, can be quite marked. Um, yeah. So there's another answer to that. Other thoughts? Okay. Then let us carry on. But if you give me, uh, just, uh, I need about a two minute break. So everyone relax for two minutes. So shall we carry on? Uh, go to, let's see, the next verse that we are studying is 42. So 38. Oh, my friends, sons of the Asuras, the Supreme Personality of God in his super soul feature always exists within the core of the hearts of all living entities. Indeed, he is a well-wisher and friend of all living entities. And there is no difficulty in worshiping the Lord. Why then should people not engage in his devotional service? Why are they so addicted to unnecessarily producing artificial paraphernalia for sense gratification? So uh, the word friend is used here. What a, a meditation that God is our friend and he's always with us. And that it's not difficult to be a devotee. And we might say, well, sometimes it seems it's a little bit of a struggle. But actually trying to eke pleasure out of this world is really tough. <laughs> and in comparison to that, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's actually not that hard. It's, it's taking prasadam, which is very tasty. It's chanting Krishna's name. It's singing kirtan. It's not that hard. 
and Prabhupada even says in the purport, clearly, therefore, if one wants to go to hell, he must endeavor very much. But if he wants to return home back to Godhead, there is no difficult endeavor. So, because it's our natural, it's our natural, it's who we are. Text 39. One's riches, beautiful wife and female friends, one's sons and daughters, one's residents, one's domestic animals, like cows, elephants, and horses. It's interesting because domestic animals these days, generally we wouldn't consider as cows, elephants, and horses, right? Mainly cats and dogs. Uh, one's treasury, economic development, and sense gratification. Indeed, even the lifetime in which one can enjoy all these material opulences are certainly temporary and flickering. Since the opportunity of human life is temporary, what benefit can these material opulences give to a sensible man who has understood himself to be eternal? So that's a meditation of that, you know, to try to get it beyond our uh, intellect to think that I am eternal. I am eternal. And I am eternal. And this life is, is short, especially in comparison of eternity. <laughs> And therefore, what am I meant? To, what should I be focusing on? Is the kind of question that we could be asking ourselves. It is learned, this is text 40, it is learned from Vedic literature that by performing great sacrifices, one may elevate himself to the heavenly planets. However, although life on the heavenly planets is hundreds and thousands of times more comfortable than life on earth, the heavenly planets are not pure near Malam who are freed from the taint of material existence. The heavenly planets are also temporary, and therefore they are not the goal of life. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, however, has never been seen or heard to possess inebriety. Consequently, for your own benefit and self-realization, you must worship the Lord with great devotion, as described in the revealed scriptures. Then 41, a materialistic person, thinking himself, very advanced in intelligence, continually acts for economic development. But again and again, as enunciated in the Vedas, he is frustrated by material activities, either in this life or in the next. Indeed, the results one attains are inevitably the opposite of those one desires. So Prabhupada's purport says that no one has ever achieved the results he desires from material activities. Now, somebody said, wait, 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 are you sure? You know, never? Let's read on. On the contrary, everyone has been frustrated again and again. Therefore, one must not waste his time in such material activities for sensual pleasure, either in this life or in the next. So many nationalists, economists, and other ambitious persons have tried for happiness, individually or collectively, but history proves that they have all been frustrated. In recent history, there have, there have seen, uh, we have seen many political leaders work hard for individual and collective economic development. But they all have failed. That is the law of nature, as clearly explained in the next verse. So what does Prabhupada mean here um, by saying these, excuse me, strong statements? Uh, well, if you combine it with the last statement about, uh, excuse me, uh, that uh, we are eternal. So, yes, you know, you may temporarily have some good economic development or a politician may have some success 
in doing this or that, but um, it doesn't, they don't last forever, whatever it, it is. And, you know, we all, we all know that there's ups and downs economically in this world. There's ups and downs politically in this world. There's ups and downs socially in this world. Um, Health-wise, we have our ups and downs. There's not a permanent position in this world. So, um, you know, we have seen, just like we have seen, uh, does Prophet talk about it in the next verse? You know, the different empires that have come and gone. And people who lived during those empires, you know, if you were born during the Roman Empire, you just thought it was going to go on eternally, and you probably died, and it was still very strong. Uh, you know, prior to uh, 1930, well, it started 1940s, uh, if you were, you know, living in the British Empire, it just seemed like it was never going to end, right? It wasn't really until, uh, till, um, yeah, the Second World War that it really started going downhill. And, you know, they said the sun uh, never sets on the British Empire because they had, they owned, uh, they all over the world, right? Um, Australia, India, New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera. Now the sun, they say the sun never rises in the British Empire. <laughs> you know, the weather in England is not the greatest in the world. And, you know, so America is now considered a superpower. Or at one time, there was two superpowers, right? Russia and America. Then it was kind of question is Russia. And so who knows what will happen? Who will take America's place at some time? In the future, so the, you know the the it's the nature of this world that things are not permanent, and so Pilad is telling his you know young schoolmates this you know it's not an easy thing for young children to understand this, but you know by his incredible purity he's helping them to understand this point. So we said we would go up to verse forty-two. So that's the next verse. Um, in this material world. Every materialist desires to achieve happiness and to diminish his distress. And therefore, he acts accordingly. Actually, however, one is happy as long as one does not endeavor for happiness. As soon as one begins his activities for happiness, his his conditions of distress begin. Now, that you really have to think about. It's so counter... I think it was Dean who was using the word counterintuitive before. Uh, someone, I think it was the, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is very, this is very counterintuitive, isn't that, that the more you really try for your own happiness, the more it's like that carrot that's just out of reach, you know, in the, you know, like in the dog track or something like that. Right. Um, and even material, let's not even talk about spiritually right now, but the, because it's a sattvic thing. It may not be a pure thing, a completely pure, but it's a sattvic thing to care about others, to care about their welfare, to be philanthropic. Um, that brings a greater happiness. Generally speaking, it's understood that that gives a greater happiness than just, uh, what did uh, George Harrison write? All through the day, I me mine, I me mine, I me mine. <laughs> right? That, that selfishness, um, does not actually give mental happiness, intellectual happiness. And then when you combine that with Krishna consciousness, with God consciousness, um, and you're looking out for God's pleasure, you're trying to please Krishna by your 
words, by your thoughts, uh, by your activities, it's, it's, an, it's an incredibly liberating experience. It's an incredibly liberating experience. Um, now, you have to do that in a sensible way, you know, of course, by guidance of other devotees in particular. Um, but, you know, and not in an obnoxious way. I had a person at work, you know, I think many of you know that my role's an ombudsman. Uh, uh, people come to me with complaints. So <clears throat> this uh, person is a very strict Catholic. Came to me because he was upset that the Secretary of the Interior, <coughs> I shouldn't have had that gel here just then, uh, <clears throat> wrote a, uh, <coughs> this is Pride Month, right? Uh, the month where uh, people um, uh, celebrate, I guess the word, uh, the, the existence of uh, uh, LGBTQ uh, people in our world. And this person was very, very uh, against this, you know, saying that it's against the word of God. It's against the Bible. Uh, he comes to work with a cross like the size of his chest, you know, and he just, uh, he just uh, presents his Catholicism in a way that everyone just finds totally obnoxious. It doesn't attract them to uh, the Catholic faith. It, turns them away. Now, I'm not making any comment about LGBTQ or where, you know, but I'm making the point that uh, in his mind, he's doing exactly what God wants him to do to, you know, to uh, to criticize these heathens and to think that they're all going to tell them that they're all going to hell. And he does it in a way that, you know, everyone thinks that he's the only one going to hell. basically. <laughs> um, so what I mean is that and, and he's just thinking, I'm just totally focused on loving God and serving God and being faithful to God and these people. No. So my, my point is that we, um, we want to develop that very deeply in our heart. And how we express it is, uh, is something that we take some advice from and, uh, and learn how to uh, do it in a way that actually is pleasing to Krishna and doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be totally in everyone's face. At the same time, uh, we try to help people understand about Krishna consciousness because we feel we've been benefited and we want them to feel that same benediction. Um, and now we're talking about preaching strategy, but you know, in some parts of the world or in some people, the, you know, the, um, hitting people over the head with Krishna consciousness works. And in other places, it totally, you know, discourages people from taking the Christian times. So one has to uh, know the situation and uh, and what works in a different time, place, and circumstance. But let's carry on with this purport. Um, uh, so Prabhupada writes, the body is just like an instrument by which the living entity moves according to false desires for happiness and thus suffers the pangs of birth, death, old age and disease and different standards of life. Everyone begins his activities with some plan and ambition, but actually from the beginning of one's plans to the end, one does not derive any happiness. So again, we have to define what Prabhupada is using the week because people feel happy, right? Uh, you know, I have, you know, people at work who said, how was your vacation to the Outer Banks? Oh, it was great. Yeah, we, you know, but how to, 
it's a question of defining what we mean by happiness. And it's not just happiness that pertains to the senses coming in contact with the sense objects. And happiness that one feels the satisfaction, this uh, connection with Krishna in the heart. Uh, and that is twanantam, that is ongoing. So it just means we have to, you know, define what we mean by happiness here. Otherwise, someone could say this, well, you know, this is, this is a little strong, isn't it? That yeah, they I, do not divide any happiness. You want to say something, Andy? Um, I think that was me. Oh, yeah, that was I, you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is, is that is an issue. Uh, I think especially for people who read a little bit about these um, philosophies or religions in the West where life is relatively good, right? I mean, I think it's easy for us to lose sight of the fact that huge portions of the world, there's a heck of a lot more suffering than what we go through just to get through daily routines. Therefore, um, especially with, uh, I feel like in what I've read with, with Buddhism, well, really both, it talks about suffering so much. So people grapple with that or, or if they're just not involved deeply and in, in trying to read about stuff. I feel like that is a question that comes up a lot. It's like, well, there's all this talk about suffering, but I don't feel like I'm suffering. You know what I mean? Of course, probably maybe the better way of saying it is we all live in our own little relativity and therefore what we consider to be joy is so minuscule compared to if if you realize realize but i guess the point i'm trying to make is sometimes i feel like our focus on um the vocabulary of suffering <laughs> makes it a bit of a stretch for people in the west to you know they're driving around in their audi or whatever well it's successful people in the west anyway yeah to, to grasp the meaning i don't know well, yes, and, and therefore it, it may take uh, some discussion because if you if you notice what Sheila Prabhupada says, just a few, um, what I just read, um, and he and the scriptures are talking about uh, these four places they're called or sufferings, as you use the word, uh, birth, which, you know, maybe not everyone um, equates with suffering, but um, disease, um, old age, and of course, death. And so it's, you know, like we have a saying in America that the only two certainties in life are tax, uh, death and taxes. So the, 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 the Shastra is saying that uh, if you're really smart, if you really analyze, uh, the world, um, and you take away the Audis and the Ferraris and the, uh, you know, five star hotels and the, and the, you know, fi- uh, you know, Michelin three star, uh, restaurants and, you know, all that. The thing that you're actually sure of is you gotta get old. <laughs> everyone gets diseases and everyone dies. Uh, those are the only certainties. You're not sure, you know, tomorrow that you're, you know, going to be alive or you're not sure about, you know, your favorite sports team, uh, is going to win. But you are certain about these things. And so the, that's one of the things the Shastra tries to awaken in us is a, um, is a view of reality that goes beyond this lifetime 
and uh, sees things uh, in uh, the, through the eyes of eternity. So, I, I, so yeah, but you're right. People, and, and I think even in my lifespan, you know, of 62 years, that I've seen more emphasis, even in just my short lifetime, of uh, immediate gratification and not thinking uh, so much about, you know, long-term effects. And, yeah, and, I, I, I can't agree more. I, I mean, I remember thinking, I'm, not, I'm old enough to remember when TV was still kind of corny, you know, and then you would sort of think, oh, this is so silly. And now we're on this other extreme where we listen to music, which celebrates some of the most dark things you can ever yeah. imagine. And now there's this part of me, it's like, man, maybe, maybe we should go back to that. Yeah. Things were better back when they were, you know, corny to a silly extent, you know, leave it, to beaver, leave it to beaver or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Leave yeah. it to beaver. That's right. Yes. My, uh, yeah. My favorite Martian. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, and it's not only that, look at the news. You know, it used to be that, I, you know, when I was a child, we'd just sit down and watch Walter Cronkite for a half hour every day. And that was it. And we'd learn what's going on in the world. And he was a very trusted person. Uh, and now, God, it's so divisive and it's 24-7. And, well, and, and sometimes overtly deceptive. I mean, yeah. it's almost like they're not even trying to hide anymore and how the way that they frame topics is obviously disingenuous, et cetera. You know, I agree. Uh, that's another good example. Even the news. I mean, I remember back, like, I think what they framed back in the day, you can kind of direct a narrative or an understanding of the world simply by talking about what you want to talk about as opposed to other things. But at no point did I ever think 30 years ago that it was, overtly untrue and, and now i see it all the time it's like you know especially being in my field it's like i i know not only is that untrue but that it is intentionally deceptive you, you know what i mean it's really bizarre to watch yeah yeah i'd even you know yeah when i was living in india and um i was there during the first gulf war and listening to um the voice of America as compared to BBC, it might've, it seemed like it was two different wars. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Well, voice of America was, this isn't like a, a, a secret or conspiracy theory. It, it was derived by the CIA is anyway, we don't need to get into that, but yeah, but, but, it, but you're right. But whereas the BBC was just kind of very level, you know, just like, okay, you know, this is what's happening. So mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. So, it, so we're, so there's all, and, and that can cause a lot of, you wouldn't believe how many people, because I, I teach um, at work uh, a lot of seminars on um, uh, resilience, especially during the pandemic, right? And one of the things that people find the most agitating is the news. They find the thing that disturbs them the most, gets the most angry and upset with the world or upset with the other, whether it's Republicans to Democrats or Democrats to Republicans. And, and and so I tell people, well, have, why don't you try a news fast? Yeah. And I've gotten so many emails. People saying, this is, I haven't felt better in my life. I feel so much better now. I, God, I, it's, yeah. it's, 
it's uh I see it in my family. I mean, we had a, a gathering when I was back home and people are so riled up. They tend to be, you know, more Democrat type. So uh Trump this, Trump that, which is fine. But the uh the vigor, the intensity of their feelings is so off the charts. Like, I mean, my mom is the sweetest lady I, I've ever known. And so are these relatives, but the, the just ferocity of, yeah. of, of vitriol that they had against it. It's like, this isn't, no matter how true or not true it is, this can't be good for you to be in this mind space. You, you know what I mean? It's not happiness as we're talking yeah. about here. It's not happiness. Even if they have an uh, Audi. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Any other questions or comments on this point? Okay. So, so the idea is so, but it still is quite an incredible thing that it, it's so counterintuitive. We fix our mind on Krishna's pleasure and then we become super happy. We fix our mind on our own pleasure and pleasure tends to ev- uh, be evasive. It's, it's quite a, uh, you know, talk about counterintuitive. And Pallad Maharaj also teaches that, well, you know, you can endeavor for happiness, but you, you, it's already set by your karma. So why endeavor for it? It'll come when it comes. It'll leave when it leaves. Why not think of Krishna instead? It's, that's quite a, uh, quite a, a uh, meditation. Yeah. Other thoughts we haven't heard from Andy today. We haven't heard from Raghunandan, from Nandimukhi, from Jiva or Nanda Rupa. You're all being very, very shanti, shanti today. Henry? We heard from Shakshi at least. Mom, Sardia, Rasa, Shushil, anything? Well, talking about the happiness side, you know, one somebody I listen to a lot is always saying we have to take ourselves out of the center. Mm. That's a very nice point, Henry. <clears throat> and Henry, I, what's that, Henry? I can also remember a time when I was feeling really happy and it I, it was when you were there when I had the last party at my house when I invited the devotees because I was about to tear down the temple room and, you know, start getting ready to sell the house. And I had kind of that farewell party. And after everybody was left, I was doing the dishes and it was so fun doing the dishes. I mean, I've never enjoyed doing dishes like that. <laughs> when I was like very carefully and it's just getting great pleasure doing that simple service. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? That, uh, even the simple service can be totally blissful. Yeah. Nice. Other thoughts, realizations? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Raghunathar Prabhu. Uh, often I find that uh, happiness is mixed up with contentment or satisfaction. Mm. Those two are like quite distinct things. The contentment satisfaction thing comes only when we connect with the Supreme Lord. The happiness can be obtained sometimes in the material world, even though temporary, but uh, that contentment and satisfaction is not obtained or purchased anywhere. It can be only obtained by being in the relationship with hmm. the Supreme Lord. Nice. And the cool thing about it is it's not dependent on anything material. You can be the poorest of the poor, the richest of the rich, the, the, the ugliest of the ugly, the handsomest of the handsome. And that doesn't 
Um, nothing material can stop the soul from experiencing spiritual happiness and connection with Krishna. Yeah. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, please. Yes, yes, Prabhuji. The happiness definition in our lives are not meeting with our life satisfaction with the family life, you know, Prabhuji. Uh-huh. Our happiness is job, family maintain, money, all of those. But in ritual sense, in our happiness to connectivity with the Lord Krishna or the rituality is to, we can reach out in our spiritual life. So my realization is happiness in sense of individual in my life to achieve the uh, uh, blaze of Lord Krishna uh, and my devotion to go in a lotus feet of the Lord Krishna, right? In our ritual life. But the happiness in overall in family they need the money, they need the job, they need the... <laughs> <laughs> so our happiness is really our happiness is spiritual life and devotion to in our... Yes. Yes. And uh, Prabhu, where, where are you from originally? I'm from uh, originally born in Bangladesh. Uh-huh. So Bengali. That's what yes. I thought by your accent. So <laughs> so you are... You're, you're very much uh, representing what Srila Prabhupada was saying. In many, all over his books, he's saying that most people, at least pious people, they think happiness is to have a nice wife, have a nice job, you know, things like that. I mean, other people think happiness is, you know, partying 24-7 and, you know, that, that's, that's, but, that, but you're bringing up very nice, you're comparing like uh, Bengali piety to Krishna Bhakti. Yes, probably. Yeah, it's very nice, very nice uh, way of uh, putting that. Yeah, very good. You know, probably when I'm in uh, class eight, I remember in our Naga University, first studied is called in Bangladesh. Ah. So um, I believe that a couple of uh, foreign uh, Sharnashi in the Swamiji attend to our village level to Krishna consciousness, you know. Achha. The people are not interested to learn that one, you know. They're watching to the movie. That's are very interesting. Like it's a, New Zealand and different countries, the apple trees and their Krishna devotees are doing the kirtan, all those, you know, that's attraction. So, and there the question, and the, the who bring to this ISKCON committee, he is right now in the New York. Uh, oh. I forget his ISKCON name. They are very, three, four guys from Dhaka University, they joined ISKCON. So they show the film, the um, uh, apple trees and, and the Iskon uh, temple and the singing Hare Krishna uh, and so many activities which are attraction to our heart. The Lord Krishna is in this place. How we can reach out there? You know. So once uh, upon they told, "Are you happy with this one?" So some kids are telling, "We are happy to see apple because we never see the apple music." In Bangladesh, in trees. See the what? What was that? You see the, the what? Uh, the apple trees. The apple. Apples. Apple. The video, they show the apple plants and lot of apples. And they are doing the kirtan and very emerging environment, you know. So, so the happiness has come from the heart of what we are seeing. That time, I always see the Iskon temple is on going to the apple plant, <laughs> the apple trees, you know. So... It's an amazing life and uh, it's a devotion. It goes to the good environment where we are reaching out. Nice. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Since we have uh, four more minutes. Okay, so let's see. We were um, 
42. So we will, we will finish this chapter next week in uh, going up to 55 and maybe start the uh, next chapter. So if there's nothing else, we can end for three minutes early. And uh, nice to be back. Uh, last week, Henry and I went to Ratiatra in New York. So we didn't have a class. And that was uh, pretty amazing. Are um, things starting to get back to relative normalcy at the temple, as in the Sunday? Um, uh, oh, what, good question. So what we're doing is we have this thing called One Amazing Summer. And every week is a different uh, activity, especially family-centered activity. Um, uh, already for 4th of July, they're going to be doing camping. Let's pray it doesn't rain. And they've already had 21 families sign up to bring their tents and camp out at the uh, temple, which is fantastic. Um, so really right now at the temple, it's Saturday and Sunday. <clears throat> and there's kirtan going on. But then uh, once Labor Day is over, we're going to go back to uh, having a Sunday program with uh, with talks and things like okay. that. Yeah, but right now it's, uh, we're just finding the outdoor, it's, you know, uh, the, people more people come, although it's more spread out, right? Because mm-hmm. they come throughout Saturday, throughout Sunday, um, and there's prashadam available all the time at the, during those, uh, during the afternoons. And it's just a very nice atmosphere especially like on a day like today it's very hot but you can find some shade and be in the kirtan mm-hmm. in the shade yeah yesterday they brought the uh so, so like today the theme is father's day so they uh so children can um they even have someone doing henna where you can put i love my father in henna <laughs> and uh making cookies that like father's day cookies that the children can give to their father and different uh father's day uh things like that so every week is uh different um it's it's quite it's quite uh, sounds good yeah uh, create, creative yeah and how is the um, the new temple uh, coming along I, the the groundbreaking ceremony uh, which is called Bhumi Puja will be on the twenty first of August twenty okay. first and twenty second so that's huge and we did uh, yeah and uh, it looks will like that be a, symbolic or is that actually no that's actually like that's when that's, it'll it's okay. symbolic, but it also you're going to start seeing earth movers and okay. and tearing down structures and mm-hmm. yeah, it's actually going to happen. I can't remember what they said. Fifteen months it takes to build. Like, yeah, I can't remember. That's a little dependent on you know naturally on the finances. But um, wow, that's, yeah, it's that's actually that's pretty happened. bold. They're going to just go through and or start it and yeah. Yeah. Hope that the financing comes in. Well, that's that's how you do build temples, especially in India. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know, you, people give some donations, but when they see the the steel rods going right. up and, and the structure, then they start. Okay, this is serious. Okay, then, so uh, right. so that right. that's 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 just how you. Yes, you have to depend mm-hmm. on Krishna. I've seen Gopal Krishna do that. So many different temples. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just get get the ball rolling, and then um, people start really opening up their checkbooks for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Nice to be with you all. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna.